Oh, that song helped, so helpful, kind of get me in that place. And I appreciate my man, Stephen Dodd, giving me some encouragement before I came up about the Holy Spirit being with us. So amen. I'm fired up about that. It's good to have brothers that tell you stuff like that when you need it. Um, we're going to share a message uh, with you this morning and uh, excited to be here with my, my big sister, uh, Lynn Ottenweller. And, uh, uh, but before that, I wanted to make sure that, every, that all of you knew about what was happening next week. Uh, Michael Burns is coming uh, to our church. Amen. Yeah, there you go. That's cool. Uh, one of our friends, right? Uh, he's uh, just a brother that we've, I think we've come to have a great relationship with. He's come multiple times to our church. Uh, his, the books that he has written, I think, have been meaningful to many of us. Uh, and uh, he's coming back. And, and, and just so you know, uh, the North River Church, we've been privileged to have access to some really great teachers. I think Douglas Jacoby has been great for us over the years. And, but obviously, him moving to the UK, you know, a little different right there. We don't have as much access. Uh, but uh, so we've been talking with Michael, and it's been great because he's, uh, he's willing to come here uh, like four times a year and stay for a week and really kind of help teach the church and uh, really help us even with our our curriculum, kind of, you know, with our, uh, our teaching, what we teach on Sundays and even other settings. Uh, so that's really cool. It's, an, it's more of like a, a partnership that we're working together, kind of he can consult us and give us input from all that he's researched and even help us as we try to navigate through all the cultural challenges that we have. And we feel like he's a great resource. And uh, so he'll be coming four times a year, you know, for a week. So we put, a, we put the brother to work, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you can see... You can see up there, he's, he's got plenty to do. Uh, so, yeah, he'll be speaking at, uh, you know, our campus ministry, which is cool. He's going to be doing a devotional for our middle school and high school families, youth and family. That'll be great. The Atlanta School of Missions, just to let you guys know. Oh, don't forget the men's prayer breakfast, by the way. Amen. Eight o'clock. Let's go. Saturday. He'll be there as well. And our Atlanta School of Missions. I don't even know if some of you even know what that is, but... That's what we, we have that right here. It's kind of based in that North River. And it's a, it's a great training ground for, for folks wanting to go in the ministry and current ministers. And not only do we kind of give them biblical teaching, but we also give them practical ministry training. And, uh, and then they get to do it together, right? So you build relationships and connections over the years. And so that happens right here. So Michael and I are actually developing a curriculum uh, for the Atlanta School of Missions together. So I'm excited about that, that partnership. And uh, he's going to preach both services next Sunday. And then at 1.30, he's going to dive into uh, right, the, the impact that women have had in the scriptures. Are you excited about that? Absolutely. Amen. There we go. There we go. So that'll be great. And, and just so you know, I'm, I'm uh, currently getting a master in divinity, master's of divinity uh, at Mercer, Atlanta, 78-hour uh, program. Uh, so yeah, pray for me. Uh, I just saw one of my classmates, Christian Faith, pray for her too. Uh, pray for our Greek midterm. I don't know how you did. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, so, uh, but it's cool because Michael's, he's got an MDiv, and so he can kind of be a mentor to me in a lot of ways as well. So looking forward to that. But I wanted to make sure that you know what's happening. So there you go before we, before we dive into our, our message today. And um, it, as you've heard, really appreciate, uh, you know, that, that testimony, you know, uh, about how powerful the book was. You know, I, I, I thought it was, it's, a, it's a really, so far reading it, it's amazing. And uh, the cool thing is I didn't come up with this idea. All right. As happens in most of my life. The good ideas come from the women in my life, all right? There you go, right? Uh, but no, Lynn, actually Lynn and John Haynes, I think, had read this book already. 
And so they came, they came, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta teach this. There's some stuff in here. I think it'll be helpful. I hadn't even read the book yet. Um, so I'm grateful to uh, have someone like, you know, Lynn and John. They, they just, they just, and then they outlined it and gave us what they thought would be helpful. So appreciate, you know, you putting your heart and soul into it. And uh, so we're going to kind of maybe set the table a little bit, um, some of the early concepts in the first part of the book. But definitely go check it out. I think it's a worth, worth your read. And we're talking about today this concept of the battlefield. And I feel compelled to say something, honestly, because we chose to do this series a while ago. This has, we're not trying to be kind of creative, like, oh, there's a war going on. Let's do something. Seriously, God, that is nowhere near where this is. I feel like I need to say that. People are losing their lives. That's very serious and very real. We're not trying to kind of riff off of what's happening in the world. This was planned a long time ago. Um, But the concept of a battlefield and the concept of a war it is in the scriptures, you know, but I just feel like, you know, I want to say that we need to keep praying for what's happening, you know, in the world because it's, it's just a lot going on. Um, but one of the challenges that we originally had, I don't know if you remember this conversation, we were trying to figure out how do we transition from we, we, Philippians, we're doing a deep dive into Philippians, and like, you know, should we have like a couple weeks where we kind of chill, maybe a worship time or something, or just dive right into it? And we're trying to figure out what, what kind of transition can we make? So I... Like I said, I hadn't read the book. I open up the book, page one of the book. First scripture mentioned, Philippians 4. I said, there's the transition, amen. There we go. I need all the help I can get. Uh, But seriously, we have just spent five or six weeks in the book of Philippians. But I think this passage is so good to get us started this morning, to be reminded of Paul's exhortation. Finally, right, beloved, right? What does he say? He says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, what does he say? Think about these things. Stop and think about these types of things. And there you go. That's what, right? Phones mess us up, right? I mean, <laughs> right on cue. I didn't even plan that, right? It's hard to focus in our lives. That's one of the challenges, right? That keeps us from stopping and having clarity, right? It happens, right? I'm not trying to make the person feel bad. It just was, you know, <laughs> it happened. Great. You stop and you think, what else do you say? Then he says, you know what? Keep on doing. Some translations, put into practice. That implies repeated, right, repetition, okay? So there's, a, there's repetition. There's stop, think, not just think about anything, but think about these noble, true, spiritual, stop. Don't just think, put into practice. And that didn't mean, oh, I tried it once, it didn't work for me. I'm, no, no. Practice means repetition. So you keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen. Learn, receive, heard, seen. Last time I checked, that's what a good apprentice does. Are you an apprentice of Jesus? I'm trying to be. I hope you are too. But that's what apprentices do. They don't just listen for concepts. They put the stuff into practice. And when it's new or different, it's by nature, it's going to be a little awkward sometimes, so you got to keep, keep at it. 
And then what does he say? And, and, and the God of peace will be with you. Right? The God of peace will be with you. And, and in, in the book, it kind of goes at, just think about it. It's, it's, it's a thought, right? And then there's action, right? You put into practice. You do these things. You keep on doing. And then there's something that you experience. And what I love about this part, he could have said, and you'll experience the peace of God, which is cool. I like the peace of God. But that's not really what he says. You'll experience the God of peace. And to me, that hints at that Emmanuel again. God with us. And sometimes we can, you know, peace is like a feeling. And okay, whatever. But, but I think I appreciate how he says the God of peace. God will be with you. And I know you'll, you'll talk about that in a moment. And also kind of jumps out of the very beginning of the book is this whole concept of our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What? are your strongest thoughts. And if we're being honest, on most days, a lot of times, they may have nothing to do with what is true and noble and all of that. So this is an, a real issue. Mm. I got the gut response of the, our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Kind of like, that's exactly how I felt when I read it. Kind of that sense of, wow, that's pretty powerful. He also uses an analogy that in 10 years, you're going to be looking in a mirror, and the person you see in that mirror is a result of the thoughts you've had today. So wherever you're headed is a certain direction. You know, these are real things, and, and it's God in his gracious love saying, I brought abundant life. Let just walk in the way I teach you so that you could have that abundant life. So interestingly enough, when we talk about our lives moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, I can't help but think of 2020. It was January of 2020, and honestly, if my life was moving in the direction of my strongest thoughts, I did not want to be where I was going. You know, it had been a rough, rough year. I had had, I'd lost both of my in-laws, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, definitely were second set of parents in my life, and they died within a year. The woman that was mentoring me, Gloria Baird, had died. Many of you know I went through nine deaths in seven years one time before, so I'd already had this little reminder of what that felt like, and now I felt like I was back in an era of death. Add to that, I have a close family member that was in jail. I had kids that were going through some struggles, and it just felt like the world was caving in. Have you ever felt that way? Mm -hmm. Wow, where it just feels like, you know, Jeff, where it's like, if one more thing hits, I'm out. I'm done. You know, you yep. just have this sense of fragileness that comes at those moments. Even like though you're we're totally... supposed to be Christians and yeah, we, yeah. You know, we got it figured out. But, I'm in the ministry. Right, I mean, I'm supposed still, to teach this. Yeah. But this was where I'm at. Like, I live in the real world, guys. I mean, I, I don't get exempted because I'm in the ministry. It was hard to see myself that place. Yeah. And I felt so vulnerable. And I felt like I wasn't where I was supposed to be, but didn't know where to get. I talked to Ivelisse, who's one of my closest friends, and what was interesting, I started talking to her about my thoughts, and, and she recommended I go to a neurologist. Okay, that's one of those, yikes, someone's worried about my brain, you know? And I remember telling her, I will go if in three months I'm not in a different place. But if this is something more, let me go after it. And that's what I did. So honestly, my desire to teach this so badly is a culmination of two years of work 
that I've had to do on my own mind, and it's ongoing. This year I have as a goal to read 12 books on the mind. So I, I really do believe that so much of our lives are gonna be directed by this. So I had gotten to that place, and, and like I said, what, was do, what happens is, you know, we say in coaching that whatever you focus on, whatever you focus on, you enforce it, and it grows. And so what happened is you walk into life looking for examples. So here I am, Jeff, and I can tell you the problems in my home. I can tell you the problems in my, I could tell you anything that was negative, and it just, it was like Satan just kept giving me a list to confirm it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, check, yeah, wow, I didn't know it was so bad. So your mind starts going in the direction of your thoughts, and mine was going in the direction of my thoughts, and I didn't like where it was going. Yeah. And so I started like, wow, I, I need a good mind check. If I don't change this, something's going to happen. So I think, Jeff, that's one reason I'm so excited we're doing this as a group together, because I think we all can get so much out of learning how the brain works. So I wanted to start off by saying, you know, interestingly enough, um, I learned a lot about how the brain works. I've been around nursing and all this, but I think the idea that we create, every thought creates like a chemical in our brain that starts creating a neural pathway. And that neural pathway just starts little by little. Now, think about when you go out to your grandmother's house in the country and you walk out in the grass. You walk in that grass and it bounces right back. Mm -hmm. But that path you see over here, someone's walked on it once, twice, three times, 10 times, 100 times until it's become a path. And so we start getting in that rut of going someplace that we don't want to go to and we start reinforcing it, and our minds literally it enlarges. So that could be discouragement, it could be negativity, worry. Mm -hmm. I remember when my son was three years old, I walked in the room and he screamed, or two years old, he's crying and my husband's on his knees praying by the crib. Literally like, what do I do with this kid? <laughs> I remember calling Jerry Lang because in my mind, he was going to be in jail in 20 more years. <laughs> no, I, 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 am I the only one who does oh, this? No, you're not the only one. <laughs> you laugh like I got a problem, no, okay? No. I think they were laughing because they know the feeling, you know, to have kids. So You'll never get a job. Like, You'll be terrible your whole know. life. He's going to kill someone. Yeah. He's screaming, you know? But that's where your mind goes, right? To the worst possible outcome, if you're not careful. But the good news is that your mind can also be trained the other way. The same way that you're creating those pathways, they can be turned. Henry David Thoreau had a quote here that I wanted to read that I just thought was so good. As a single footstep will not make a path on the earth, so a single thought will not make a pathway in the mind. To make a deep physical path, we walk again and again and again and again. To make a deep mental path, to think noble, to think pure, to think holy, to see the best in everyone around us, to walk into fellowship just really wanting to give to other people, to want to encourage. What, what, what does it take? We must think over and over and over and over and over the kind of thoughts we wish to dominate our lives. So if I want to be loving, 
I'm gonna have to think loving thoughts over and over again if I wanna be at peace, all these things. So I kinda went at it with my brain, like I've gotta start taking these thoughts and do something about it. And three practical things. The scripture that stood out to me was Romans 8 where it said, the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Isn't that a great scripture? Because I want life, I want that living water Jesus promised that would be bubbling out of me rather than worry, fear. Um, all these things bubbling out of me, and I want peace. The world wants peace, yeah. and I'm talking about that internal peace that keeps people from hurting each other, right? Yeah. And so I went after it because I wanted to see those things change in my life. So what did that result in? You know, I had three practicals I did, and I just want to share these to start us off. One was, and we all know this, I love that Katie talked about it this morning, I started replacing those lies with truth. Now, how many of us already knew that? Raise your hand if you already knew that. Okay. You know, we've heard this a million times, but have I really done it? What I did was I wrote down the lie, and then I found the scripture to replace it with. And the thing I learned about it was that I had started going scripture light. I don't know if any of you have done this before. Podcast sermons, um, you know, blogs were starting to fill my mind more Unless than the word of God. Sermons. If they're my sermons, they're just Yeah, fine. they're yours, they're... No. Okay, yeah. I just, Doesn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> so what stood out to me, Jeff, honestly, is that it's only the Word of God that is God-breathed. Yep. And it's the only one that's sharper than a double-edged sword. Right. So if I veer from that, the power's gone. And that's what had happened to me. And not that I'm not reading, but I'm not using that word the way God wanted me to. Putting it into practice, yeah. And so I started doing that, and that was huge. I mean, I can't tell you, Jeff, as I started really getting into this scripture to deal with this and using it over and over, five, ten times in a day. And you kept it in a journal or something? Sometimes like, in a journal, wow. and sometimes just I actually, some of it I have like a website where I actually had points that I was making because it helped me reinforce it. So that was huge. And I think the second one is I decided to live a life of gratitude. And uh, you know, we all know we're supposed to be grateful, right? Right. It's one of those, like everyone tells you, you should be grateful. Your mom told you that when you were little, right? Mm -hmm. But to live a life of gratitude is a whole other thing. Yeah. And so again, when you start, remember what I said, whatever you focus on enlarges, the negative stuff was enlarging, now I needed the positive to enlarge. And everywhere I started finding things to be grateful for. Mm. Like, I wonder if they all just popped in out of nowhere, you know, they weren't there before. Because right. yeah. <laughs> that's how it felt. Yeah, yeah. It's like, he who seeks good finds goodwill, one of those proverbs. Yes. You know, um, yeah. so yeah, that's what it reminds me of. Yep, so the, the gratitude. And then the third thing really practically was that I had to humbly ask for help. I needed God to help me with my brain. And I just had to be humble and ask him to help me. So it wasn't easy and it hasn't been easy and I'm still working on it. But I think that I'm so grateful because what I've learned is the same way that those ruts were in the bad area, they could be ruts in the right area. Right. And God could help me get there. It's crazy how God created the mind that way that it can change, you know. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. uh, that's, that's, that's amazing, you know. And uh, I, when, when I... You gave me this book. I, I was already reading another book, I have to admit, uh, and it was talking about, but it was talking about the same, similar stuff. Um, but one of the things that kind of struck me was that God created the mind. He created people. But guess what? Our enemy knows how the, our, minds, how our mind works as well. That's right. Your enemy knows how your mind works. 
And, 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 if, and if you think about it, it's all over the Bible. It's not even hiding. And, and for those of you that go, oh, the enemy, oh, the devil, the pitchfork and the red face and the horns and the, the snake, you are, if, you, if you've let that mess you up and think, oh, you know, that, that stuff's just Bible mumbo jumbo, then you're the person that's in a war and the other, the other person knows it's a war and you don't and you're getting pummeled. If you think that there's no, he may not look like you think he's supposed to look, but he is a real being. That's, what the, that's the testimony of the Bible, the Judeo-Christian worldview. There is a being, maybe not material the way you think, but a being, and his, his goal is to disconnect you from your God. However he can, isolate you, disconnect you, and ru- really ruin your life, ruin society, ruin what God made to be good. He's an adversary. He is so real. In all of us, in me, in you, he can come out, and, and, and it's just that's the way it is. But here's the deal. Yeah, we, might, we believe he exists, but we have to acknowledge his number one method is to use lies. And he's not, it's not even a trick. It's day one. It's open up your Bible. It's what happened in the garden, people. Come on. God makes people. And that being, that adversary, what does he use? Hey, did God, I mean, wait, did God really say that? Oh, wait, what did he say? Oh, he said, oh, no, that won't happen. No, that won't happen. You won't die. No, actually, he's holding out on you. Yeah, Lynn, see, it's through disobedience to God that you find real life. Isn't that what happened in the garden? It was a thought. Did God really? And then when you think about what happened, what happened in the desert with Jesus, it's the same plan. That's right. Same thing. Because what happened right before the, in Luke 4, what happened right before in Luke 3? Right before Jesus got baptized. What did God say? What did God say? He said, this is my son. I love that. Before he ever did Before he died miracle. on the cross, did miracles, this is my son. Yeah. And then what did he say? With him I'm what? Well, oh, this is Luke 4. We haven't even gotten to the good stuff. But th- this is how God feels about Jesus. The very next scripture in Luke 4, Spirit takes him into the desert, and he doesn't eat for 40 days. He's hungry, and then that adversary, the enemy, he comes to him. And what does he say? I mean, if you are the Son of God. I mean, I mean, really, you might. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're just a good teacher. Good person, if you are the Son of God, do this. That's how he works. Oh, you want, you want power? You want to be able to, oh, I, I got you. Just bow down to me, join my team, and I'll let you be over all this stuff. Jesus already was over all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? What in the world? And then he starts sliding scriptures in. Oh, he knows how your mind works. He's not... He's, he's very transparent in his method. That's right. The battlefield is your mind. And if he can get you to think that first thought, you're, if you don't deal with it, and I appreciate Jesus. In John 8, I mean, this path, he just calls it out. <laughs> Jesus, you know what? Satan was a murderer from the beginning. I mean, like, bam, that's hard language. And he does not stand in the truth, 
There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks according to his own nature. And I like that better than he speaks his native language or some translations. I can even learn another language. You can, but when it's in your nature, it's, it's, that's who he is. That's what Jesus, this is Jesus telling you. Jesus said, I stood face to face with the, the, the adversary. I was weak and he came at me. And, and here's the deal. There was not one tank, not one sword, not one IED, not one nuclear bomb, but that was a battle. That's right. That's right. That was a war going on yeah. in that desert. And there's a war going on in your, in your mind too. You know, Jeff, there I was is. thinking yeah. how so often we focus so much on the things outside of us that are causing the problem, a person, the situation, our boss, right? But the battle really is our way of responding to that, right? Yeah. And so our mind is processing it in a way that takes us in a place we don't want to be. Right. Which, I, which we're going off script, which I love. <laughs> which, that's why I love when Jesus kind of said like, don't, no, it's not what comes from outside a person. That's right. You know, there can be stuff that comes from, but it, what are you going to do with it when it gets in there? Because like you told us, our mind, we can, we can take it captive and take it down a road that leads us closer to God. Or we could just let it come in and just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just going in there. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? That's right. Because here's the deal. Like, like Lynn alluded to, Henry David Thoreau, Paul, they're saying similar things right here. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Ooh. So when she writes down a lie and she replaces it with the truth, there's divine power in there. Not just white knuckling it. There's divine power, right? We demolish strong. They have the power to demolish strongholds. This word is the concept is a fortress. So in your mind, whatever goes in, if it can become over time a fortress. The first time you think it, eh, it's just like walking over the grass. Like you talk right. about, you, the grass pops back up, whatever, you keep it moving. But you keep letting that thought come in, right? Think about your feed, your news feed. Think about it. Oh, you like this story? Oh, let me slide you another story. Mm-hmm. Oh, you like this image? Well, let me give you an image similar to it. Oh, you, you want to spend money? Let me help you spend money on this. You know, the adversary, I mean the algorithm, I mean the adversary. <laughs> I mean, which one? What method is he? Wow, he's in there now. But when you watch that social media documentary, you are thinking the same thing, like, wow. That's how it works. And it's like it's one thought, and it's a foothold. But at some point, it becomes a fortress in your mind. That's right. And so what started as a little path, all of a sudden, now it's Satan coming with an 18-wheeler, smoking a cigarette, coming right down into your brain, and going to dump all kind of stuff all up in your brain. Because you let him in there because you just let the thoughts keep coming. Because you never stop to think. You never stop to think and take captive the thoughts. Jeff, I, can I make one point Absolutely. here? Absolutely. I might be off the rails. I know. I love this. <laughs> I will have here. that. We just took the little guy on the shoulder off and put him in an 18-wheeler with a cigar. <laughs> so that'll stay in our minds, I think. Um, I was just going to say, I think with women, the big one is, does God really love me? Where does my worth come from? Yeah. 
And I think, you know, then everything that happens around us reinforces that and we go to a place that takes us to a place we don't want to be, where we don't feel loved, don't feel cherished, don't feel treasured, don't feel so valuable to God that I will never let go of this God that loves me this way. No woman walks away from someone who adores them that way and when they're thinking right. Mm. And so yeah. Satan says he's not that way. Yep. And we start believing it. I, I think the lie that I believe probably the biggest, like I had a great, I mean, my parents were, you know, mom and grandmother were great and they were like, you know, work hard. What yeah. parent doesn't teach their kid to work hard, right? Good lessons. I'm grateful. I am grateful for those lessons, right? Do your best, be excellent, all that stuff. My challenge is that I believe the adversary figured me out and said, okay, but I'm not going to give you the corollary. In other words, when you don't succeed, Hmm. when you don't achieve, when you don't reach all the excellence you want, I'm going to get you when you fail. Hmm. And I'm going to convince you that failure is the worst thing ever. Hmm. Whatever you do, Jeff, don't fail. Don't fail. Because you've got to be the, you got to be good. You got to be the best. You got to be excellent. Which is not a bad. It's good to want good, but man, I didn't have a, I didn't have a, right? So, you know, Katie's talking about man. I was a young, a young girl in fear or whatever. I think for me it was failure. Yeah. And I wouldn't take a lot of risks either, and you know, because I'm trying to keep it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fail. And then when things didn't work out, like you know, basketball and college, you know, whatever, and I just tank, yeah. just, just utter and complete unraveling. Right? Um, just every drug I could figure out, whatever, just wow, you know? Um, so for me, I know that's in me. But, but, but when I became a Christian, all that stopped. <laughs> oh, how I wish that was the story. Right? Not quite. Not, Not quite. quite. And that's the other, because he's so pernicious. That's the right. adversary, he's, he's, he's going to stay with it. He's going to come back for a more opportune time, just like he did with, with Jesus. Even after I became a Christian, I'm in the ministry, and it's like, yeah, but that person's ministry is better. Mm-hmm. They have better ideas. They're more excited. Or, you know, well, look at that guy. He's got all this responsibility. Or look at your wife. Man, your wife's way more effective than you are in the ministry. Mm-hmm. And here I am resenting that she's got all these women that she's helping become Christians. Slow down. You know, I'm getting all upset. <laughs> How twisted is that? That's jacked up, right? But that's where I was. I mean, I just, and so here I'm a Christian and just letting those thoughts come into my head. So guys, I'm, what, you got to slow down and stop. And that's why for me, that's why I've talked about it a lot, but because I'm going to keep talking about it. Because I do think that we got to learn how to be more contemplative in our faith too. That's right. And I think the active outward stuff is good. Let's not stop doing it. Amen. Share your faith. Love God, go out, be crazy. I love it. But I think we can grow in some of the more stop and think stuff too. Yeah. Because I'm an apprentice of Jesus and so are you. That was his practice. Yeah. You can't say that wasn't his practice. That's right. To slow down. And that's what I started doing, just slowing down before I got my day started because the day gets insane every input ever that just every place right so I, I was losing I thought I was losing my mind no one told me to see a neurologist but but you know <laughs> I mean you were really I bad tried. I mean I tried. you were like I tried to tell you <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know but it's like I had to I had to slow it down and so to me that that the concept is the weapons that we are going to fight to win this battle yep. are replacing the lies That's with right. the truth 
to where we're not just thinking about Scripture, we actually think Scripture. That's right. And that was what Jesus did. He wasn't thinking about, he, he was, the adversary's coming at him, he's giving the word. That's right. And, and, you know, you can think, oh, that's so fundamentalist, and that's, I'm telling you, soak it in. And I think some of us don't realize the value of the Scriptures and how it can, it can be that divine power that's that right. we have access to. The Holy Spirit who is trying to transform us from the inside out. And that's what I needed. I needed to slow down, and I invited the Holy Spirit. I gave consent to the Holy Spirit. I said, I closed my eyes. I'm giving you consent to change me from the inside out. I'm shutting up. I'm slowing down. I'm not going to impress you with my great prayer and how I covered 500 things. I'm just going to be silent because my Lord, that's what he did. And I'm his apprentice. That's right. And if he needed it, you need it. You got to figure it out. And if you say, I'm too busy, you're done. Then you're done. Then you've then basically you've surrendered. Then hoist the white flag every day. You can't be human. That's how we're supposed to be human. That's we're made to, we're made to reflect and to, and to commune with God. That's how we're made. It's the adversary that says, nah, don't, don't, nah. That's right. Nah. You want intimacy? Oh, let me give you, another, let me give you this. Let me give you this. You are not too busy. That's right. Okay? You are not too busy. Slow down. Think of, and think about your thoughts. We're done. I know. We're going up. Okay, here we go. Jeff, what, what, you go ahead. Go ahead. Say your thing. Just, <laughs> I go for it. The time, go for it. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. One, one thing I just want to add to this is, you know, we just this morning completed a six-week class on this book. And I watched in six weeks how women that slow down and go after it see transformation. This is what God wants for us. God has a power to transform. I mean, we have Holy Spirit roll that stone out of the way power in us. But if we don't stay still, like you said, so maybe in a practical, what is your thought you need help with? Yep. Like what this week? There we go. There you go. There we go. You cannot (laughs) defeat what you cannot define. That's right. That's in the book. So these are some of the things you can do personally in your time in your way, makes sense to you. Don't complain if it's too hard the first time. Keep trying. Okay? We're, we got to mature in this, guys. Just keep at it. Ask yourself these questions. What's holding you hostage? What are the mistruths you're thinking? What are, the, what are the patterns that you have? Think about it. Give yourself time. It might take a few days before you connect. Don't worry about it. And maybe this is something in your small group you can figure out how to you know, weave that into some small group times and some discussions so that it's not just you show up on Sunday, thanks, you go to your car and go home. Let's let this stuff sink in, you know. Um, do you want to share anything else before? No, just that I know God wants to win and will win if we do it his way. Well said, as usual. <laughs> so um, I'm going to say a prayer for the Lord's Supper. Amen, let's pray. Father, we are... We just want to be humble and approach you with humility and and gratitude. We we don't want to be conformed to the pattern of this world. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we know we can't do that in our own power. We need the divine power that comes from you, your word, your spirit, the church. Father, we need you. We, We are grateful for the body of Jesus. We're grateful for the example he set, the life he lived, the way he touched people, changed their lives, and yes, hung on that cross for us. And we take this bread as we remember his body 
And we, we're going to drink this juice and we're going to remember the blood he shed. Yes, sacrifice was needed. Death was needed. But we are celebrating because that is not the final answer. That is not the end of the road for us. And like our Lord, we will walk out of our graves to a new life and a new heaven, a new earth. And we thank you for that truth. Please help us to grow and help us to have victory over our adversary who always comes after us. And we pray this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.